0: Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Awesome. I want to share tonight and get straight into it. I want to uh, share about the word. The word that God placed on my heart is perspective. And I want perspective. And and you could talk about a million different things along these lines with perspective and and I'll talk about in a moment. But I just want to you know, we all kind of know what it means, but I just want to share a few uh, the meanings of this word. It means a particular attitude towards, uh, or a way of regarding something, or a point of view. It's an outlook. It's a view. It's a viewpoint. It's a point of view. It's a standpoint. It's a position, it's a stand, it's a stance, it's an angle, it's a slant, it's an attitude, a frame of mind, a frame of reference, and a way of looking or thinking, a vantage point or an interpretation. There you go. Pers- now you can all go home. I should include that. Perspective. Perspective. Lord, I just pray tonight that, um, that you would just challenge our hearts and that, Lord, that you would just speak, Lord God, through your word, that you would help us to see the way you see. And I pray, Father God, that people would go out of this place transformed with a change in their heart, that you would challenge thinking and you would challenge hearts and and mindsets, Lord, and you would help to speak to us very clearly tonight, I pray, in Jesus' name. If um, recently there was a US election, and I'm sure you all heard about it, because it was all over the media, and... uh, in all over, I'm sure it was, in, it was in the American media and it was all over our media as well. And the interesting thing about uh, that election and, uh, was that the amount, the, some of the things that were said, the election, are uh, mainly through the media. And, and, uh, I feel, and I sort of followed some of it fairly closely. And uh, one of the things was said by fairly prominent people and, and people that weren't dumb. They were saying that if Donald Trump wins the election, the, the world will instantly go into recession. That's so what they said. Very credible people. They said, That's, your market is going to crash. It's going to instantly go down and the world is going to go into, rec- into a recession. And they convinced that this is what was going to happen. And so, and people were going, oh, and people were writing all, and if you've looked at that and there's all these comments, yeah, this is going to happen, it's going to be bad, blah, 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 blah. No way, you can't win, it's going to be a disaster and all that. When, and then the interesting thing was when the election came and the vote and I was listening, I was driving in a car back from Brisbane, so we had it on the radio and had live coverage and, and in the morning they said, oh yeah, you can there and then it, it got a few hours into it, oh it's pretty even, you know, we thought it might not be quite as close as this and, and then a couple of hours later, it's like swing. everyone's like, oh, um, and they didn't know what to say and it was really interesting and the interesting thing was is when as soon as he started to win, the actual stock market worldwide went down rapidly, and uh, in three-quarters of a day, $62 billion was knocked off the Australian stock market. And uh, in, in three-quarters of a day. This is early American time, late, our, or the next day, our day. The moment he got up and began to speak, the stock market instantly started going up, and by the next day was higher than it was two days before. And last week... The American Dow Jones, which they measure their stocks and things on, was higher than it was—the highest it's been since two thousand and one. Uh, and and our stock market up as well. There'll be lots of reasons behind that. But the what I, the reason I'm saying this is that the uh, the, the stock market is built on confidence. If someone prominent says, this is going to happen, it's going to be bad, oh, quick, get rid of your money. It affects everyone, you know, and oh, it's going to be good. Then in, so it's built on confidence and, and what people think might happen or might not happen. And, and so it's amazing that these prominent people were saying, this is going to be a disaster. Their perspective was that, but in reality, it didn't happen, or it did quarters of a day. And then it was better than what was expected a day later. And so people's perspective can, you know, and if you talk to people totally believing this was going to happen, and go, they're they going into, we've got to take money out of the bank, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, and, and uh, watch this, watch that. And so they were, people were going into panic mode, thinking this is going to be a disaster. He's, he's starting to win. Everything's going to, the world's going to be over. Everything's just going to fall apart. It's going to be doom and gloom. Where Other people are going, oh, I don't think that's really going to happen. You're really sure people sort of sitting back going, I don't see that happening. And so they had a totally different perspective. And so perspective, um, for some people, can rule their life by depending on what perspective they have and what they carry. And so you can talk about a million different things, but this is what I want to talk about. Two different things. It's, I want to talk about a human perspective and a godly perspective or a supernatural perspective. These are the two areas and I'll break them up. And so what perspective are you living in? Well, if you think about your life in different areas and how you, you, how you live your life, have you ever thought about your perspective on certain things? I can tell you right now if um, social media, which has come prominent in the last 10 years, if uh, you type in a controversial statement on something like Facebook, you'll start to get a few perspectives back. You can, you can say some things about you know, simply saying, I believe marriage is only between a man and a woman. And you can put it out there, and you'll, and you'll see what you get back. You'll get some people that totally agree with you, and you'll get some people that want to murder you the next day. And so that's their perspective that's what they believe you can do that in many different things and and so that social media now is such a voice and an instant thing that 10 years ago that would never happen but now it's such a their whole lives in such a way that's an instant thing you have these conversations that are going on no one even knows each other. met that person but there's this argument and stuff going on between people could be from one end of the earth, earth to the other with all this different stuff ...that is going on, all these different perspectives. So we look at a human perspective... And I've broken this up into two different areas. People have personal views and can be in, influenced by personal views. We have personal views about things. So like I said, like when you put a statement in on, a, on, a, on social media or something like that, you get people's personal views or a group personal view of what they believe. And you'll get, you know, some will agree with you and some will be attacking you. And, and it doesn't always mean they don't like you, but they will strongly, some will be strong views about things and others will be like, Oh, maybe that's, I agree with part of what you're saying or not or, or whatever it may be. And so people have a personal view about things. And growing up, especially in school, I, um, especially adults sometimes uh, really judging or co- almost condemning. Like I'd hear adults say things about um, people that I knew that I went to school with, saying things like they're hopeless. They're never going to amount to anything. Ever heard someone say that about somebody? Like they're I can, they can, things like you know they just they make a complete judgment about someone about their life, the way they're living a life. They're not going to make it. It's just, they're just hopeless. They're just the way they, live. they don't do this, they don't do that, and and unfortunately, i even heard some teachers say it, you know, about they were so fed up with this because of their behavior or whatever, and so they're like oh, they they're not going to amount to anything, and they say things in a moment, and they well they say things you know that they sometimes mean and sometimes are said in the heat of a moment, but they, I saw people just putting people out and their perspective of this person was just basically running them down. And, and, uh, but I would, I'd hear them say, but something inside of me could never agree with that. And I, I'd heard people put other people down, other people that I knew like that, and yeah, they were, they were hard work, yeah, they did some wrong things, but part of me didn't, just couldn't agree with that because I knew a God who didn't agree with that? And I thought, if God doesn't agree with that, well, I don't agree with that because God sees potential. He's His perspective is something you can you can be the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst, baddest, the the whatever it's been, and God will still have hope for you, and God will still have a plan for you, and still have a future for you, no matter how it's been. And so that's the God that I understood and knew. So people would say this. And, so, and I didn't always do it, but sometimes I'd sort of stop, and I was young and as adults, and I'd go, you sure? You really think that? You don't think they can amount to anything? And I'd sometimes challenge their view, and I'd sort of go, why, what do you want to say, kind of thing. And so, but I would—I thought, because that doesn't sit right with me, because of the potential in them. I wasn't ever going to give up on them. That was what I thought. That was my perspective. I, you know, there's stories in the Bible like the rich man, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and, and says, you know, how do, I, how do I get into the kingdom of God? What do I need to do? And he says, you need to keep the Ten Commandments and do all these things. And, and he says, I've done that since a young um, boy and all that. And he says, one thing you need to do is you need to take all your possessions and sell them. Because Jesus got to the root of the, his problem. His possessions were going to become a problem. They were the most important thing. And he challenged his you know, that, that thing in his life, and the Bible says he walked away sad, and then Jesus makes a statement to his disciples, says it's harder for a, for a camel to get through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get in the kingdom of God, and or it's easier, sorry, for a camel to get through the eye of a person to get in the kingdom of God, and, and it says, in Matthew, it says the disciples, the disciples are astounded, they're like, what? What do you mean? It's like no one who's got any money is ever going to get into heaven, they're thinking. And it says, then who in the world can be saved? Because they probably look around and go, There's all these people have got problems with money. <laughs> all these people have got issues. How can anyone be saved? And no, they were serious. And Jesus says, and they asked this, and Jesus looked at them intently, said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. And so right away there, there's a contrast between human thinking and human possibilities and supernatural or heavenly possibilities. There's a difference. And so I, I knew this stuff and like people would write people off and, and I'd think, well, that's, that just doesn't sit right. I don't see it that way. I see it that way, but I have a different perspective. And other times people would say things like, you know, they'd talk about miracles or things like that and they'd put it down or they'd say that, you know, that's impossible, that could never happen and, and, uh, and they'd say things like no, and that could never happen or no one could ever be raised from the dead or no one could ever be healed or that kind of stuff because they didn't know, know God or know what God could do. And I'm thinking they'd say things like that and I'd say, well, I don't agree with that either because I've seen God. I remember when I was about... Um, how old was I, 12 years old or maybe a bit older or something like that. I remember we were at a mum was there, I think my sister was there, and and we were um, at a Clark Taylor meeting, and uh, he came to Harvey Bay years years ago in the early 90s or something like that, it would have been a small hall uh, hall in uh, Main Street that's not there anymore, and we and there was this place was jammed. There was probably a hundred people, but it was packed. Like, people were hanging out the windows and stuff like that. And we were there. And uh, now my dad sitting next to me, and he has this word of knowledge that said, "There's someone here with a tight band around your head, and like it like a headache. And God wants to heal you of that." And uh, and so. And, and I knew that was Dad because he used to get migraine headaches and things and working, all the different things he used to do. And and, uh, and I knew and he had that at, the, at that very time. And he also had a uh, an operation when he was younger and he had only part part vision out of one eye. He could see perfectly out of the other, but the operation which was through his eye had damaged him. And so he gets up and, and reluctantly, because he was... Was you know doesn't like to sort of walk out the front or whatever, but he knew it was him, so he stands, and he just starts to walk up the aisle. There's no was catcher didn't have time to get up or anything, and he just looks at him and points at him. God wants to hear you. As soon as he said that, Dad's flat on his back on the floor, wooden floor. Boom, the whole building shakes, and um, and like crashed, and we thought, oh, he's dead. You know, like it's like no one. He's like, is he injured? Is he okay? And uh, no one caught him, and he just hit that on his back and uh, like real hard, and so and uh, and then he, then he gets up and it was towards the right of the meeting and he gets up and he walks out and he goes everything's brighter and he suddenly looks and he puts his hand over his good eye and he could read perfectly every every line every word of every sign up the street and so and so i'd seen stuff like that so when people are telling me oh god can't hear i'm going rubbish other perspective, but I'm telling you, there's a there's another perspective you know nothing about. There's another perspective that you you need to get a hold of. God's power is very real. God's power. He's still doing miracles today. He's still doing miracles in Matty's foot. A few weeks ago, he's still doing miracles in other people's legs and growing back. You know, growing legs and healing backs. And and, he, and if you're in need of a miracle, he's still doing it today and can do it tonight. And so people are always gonna with different perspectives. And, you know, it's not for us to, like, judge people or things like that, to get, like, you know, frustrated or angry at people. But the truth is some people are just saying what they've only seen and they don't know about God. And so we can't go and blame someone for thinking that way when they haven't known the God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. If they haven't known Jesus, they've never seen anything like that or heard anything like that. They're not saved. So we can't just suddenly go and blame them but share what we have seen, and it's okay to challenge their perspective and challenge their thinking and say, no, well, that's what you've seen, but I want to tell you there's greater things you haven't seen Another thing that can happen, so you get a personal perspective, other people's views. Sometimes you can, you know, at high school we probably all saw this where there was, I saw many of my friends who are really good uh, people that were uh, influenced, especially when we got to year 11 and 12, they were influenced by, you know, the sort of the crowd that was not the naughty people. And the naughty crowd used to hang over in that spot and sit in that area around that table over there and do all kinds of things. And the ones used to go out and drink and party on the weekend and all that. And I watched some of my friends who was sort of... They were just sort of sitting there in the middle thinking, you know, well, what should I be doing? And they would slowly get drawn in. They'd get drawn into this crowd and thinking, I need to fit in. I need to go and do what they're doing because that's meant to be the cool thing to do. And so I went and they would go, and they'd, go to, and they'd come back, you know, on Monday at school. They weren't looking that good. And um, I'm thinking, where did you go on the weekend? And they're like, oh, we were with them over there. I said, oh, it was awesome. I said, what happened? I can't remember. but It was, it was so good. And so um, I said, oh, yeah, cool. Sounds really good. And... Um, and so, and I, and I just, I could just see past all that, I never, ever went. But I would speak and say, you know, there's a better way to, there's a better way to live than that, you know. And so they thought they had to live that way. The sad thing is that some of those people uh, who were involved with that, a lot of the, were sort of, I guess you'd call them the ones that were partying a lot, got stuck in that and, uh, and didn't know how to get out of it. And some of the transformation guys and girls, you would know probably what I'm talking about. And they were like stuck in this in this lifestyle of like, this is how i got to live my life. This is where I'm stuck in and I, and I don't know how to get out of it. And since school, uh, two people that I know have actually committed suicide. Because they got stuck in that lifestyle and just couldn't get out. And uh, overdosed on drugs and things like that. And were, were just addicted to alcohol and, and things like that. All because they were influenced by someone else's perspective on how you had to live life. And so perspective and influence can have great, you know, effect on someone's life. And so you need to be very careful and understand what, how are you living your life of what perspective are you living your life from because the decisions you make because of what you see things will affect your life. And so we're talking about a human perspective, okay? So there's, there's people that will live just how they, they think they should live according to their own ideas and own, own things or by a group of people that say, oh, this is a good idea, let's go do this. May not be a good idea, but that's what they think they need to do to maybe fit in and maybe you found yourself at times trying to fit in or feel like you need to act a certain way or become a certain person in because you think that that group or whatever maybe have it all together their perspective that's correct and so people will live by all these different perspectives, their own ideas. And people will come with all kinds of theories that people that you know, don't know God and that, they'll come with incredible theories and, and things about how to live life and this should happen and that should happen and this is the best way and, and all these kind of things and they'll make businesses and money out of how to sell and this, that and the other because it's their perspective. They think that's the way I'm going to be successful and, that's, and, and everyone else will be successful if they do this. That's not so much the case. I, um, I read a great article last few days, and I I, I just want to read some of it. I pulled out a few parts of it. I want to read this to you. I don't think it's written by a Christian uh, guy that I know of, but um, there's some wisdom in what he says here. And the title is what actually grabbed me, and it says, this is the title, Surround yourself with people who hold you to a higher standard than you hold yourself. Surround people who hold you to a higher standard than you hold yourself. Put put most simply, what, what stands in nearest proximity to you has enormous implications. As Jim Rowan has wisely said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're feeling stuck and struggling to make a progress progress you want, take a look around you. Most people adapt to whatever environment they find themselves. Who are the people in nearest proximity to you? How did they become your peer group? Was it on purpose or based on convenience? Do these people hold you to a high standard? Or do they hold you to an even lower standard than you hold yourself? If you want to improve in your life, you need to surround yourself with people who have a higher standard than you do. This isn't true just in working relations your marriage partner. Do do they hold you in a high standard? Do they help you become more than you currently are? Do you help them? The 80-20 rule applies to people and peer groups. 20% of the population is moving forward. 60% of the population reactively mimics whoever they are. And 20% of the population is moving backwards which group are you in? Most people are a direct reflection of those around them. If the people around them have lower standards, they drop theirs as well. If the people around them have higher standards, they raise their game. I, that's what I saw in school. I saw people who were like very smart, very brainy people and at high standards suddenly got caught up in this other group and thought their standards and lowered their thinking and lo- and then they, they dropped out of school, some of them, and they were, could have been you know, AAA a, a, a students and going to university are great things, but they actually lowered their standards to fit in with what they thought was the way to go. You want to be around people with a higher and better vantage point. That's a word for a, a, um, that we used before, like a vantage point than you have, higher than what you see, other people's looking down from where you can't see, so that you can quickly learn. Your level of talent and potential are irrelevant if you're surrounded by people who don't help you realize it. We all know many people who have unfulfilled potential. Don't let that be you. Who you surround yourself with has huge consequences. You can't ignore this. What are you going to do about it? And I thought that was a challenging way. Now that's coming from a, still coming from a human perspective. Say so looking at that, that if, you're gonna, if the people you put around you are going to affect your life and your, how you see things and the person you're going to become, let one of those people you spend a lot of time with be God spending time in his presence which he doesn't talk about he's talking about getting good people around and that's all great and we all need that but when you spend time in God's presence and let his word speak to you and let the Spirit of God speak to you you are going you're going to transform from the inside out because of what God speaks into your life he is the most important person wants speaking into your life so you have to know and understand how to have God speak into your life second second Corinthians 5. Verse 14 to 17 says this, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised. So we have stopped, listen to this, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. People all the time evaluate others from a human point of view. What they think someone should live their life, and they tell them, you shouldn't. You should be living your life like this. You should be doing it this way. But it's their point of view. We've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. So what he's saying is that we don't view people from a human point of view, we view them from God's perspective. So do you view your own life and others around you through your own human perspective or maybe what you've grown up with or maybe what people have, taught you or whatever or do you see life from God's perspective and allow his perspective to influence you do you see other people from your own perspective and maybe own judgments or or ways of thinking from a human perspective or do you see other people through God's perspective So the second area is a supernatural perspective. We talk about a human perspective, but a supernatural perspective, or God's perspective, or God's view, or heaven's perspective. And you know what happens when the natural with the supernatural, or the human collides with the supernatural. I don't know what happens, or just read the New Testament. The, the, First, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, because it's all full, it's full of every time Jesus met people, there was a clash between the human, you know, perspective and the supernatural perspective all the time. And I just want to share a couple of uh, things out of that. And before we get into that, I just want to share one testament, one we've I've preached on a little while ago, and it's a story where King Aram is at war with Israel, and it's a that he would keep sending raids upon Israel, and every time that happened, God would speak to Elijah, Elisha and give him, saying, hey, he's sending troops there... So tell all the people to move away from that area and like God to give him all the inside information about where the enemy was coming. And the enemy was getting so frustrated, he said, Where's all the spy? everyone? So there's spies, there's spy, who's the spy? You know, you, someone's telling him all our plans and they're like, No, 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 God to Elisha. And so eventually he says, like, go and send some people, find out where he is. So he says this and in verse uh 2 Kings 6, verse 14, 13 and 14, he says that uh, the report came back and it says, Elisha's at Dothan. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. They're after one guy. Great army. When the servant of the men of God got up early the next morning, this is Elisha's servant, he got up and went outside. There were tr- horses and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. So what perspective is he looking out of? Human perspective. He This is Elisha, man of God's servant, who believed in God, trusted in God, saw miracles happen. And so suddenly he's like, whoa, we're all dead. <laughs> we're surrounded. What's going on here? Even, you know, our lives, you can, be, you can be living for God, believe in God, see miracles happen. There can be times where you suddenly fall back and see things from a human point of view. Because we're human. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. But what what I want to do tonight is make you is switch you on and think: Am I? How much of my life am I living in a human perspective, and how much am I living in a supernatural perspective? And so he sees it this way: God, We're in trouble, and and Elisha just says, "Don't be afraid." I should told him one of the greatest statements in the Bible: "For there are more on our side than theirs." <laughs> and he's like, "No, The can't like, Elisha, you're blind. Not, like, you're looking at ants or something, Elisha. you know it's like, there's no way. Like, and he's and he's like, Elisha, there's more on our side than theirs. And Elisha simply, I, I can imagine the scene. Elisha, the servant is pa- packing it. You know, he's like, I need to go to the toilet. I'm gonna pee my pants or something. I'm so nervous. I'm so. And Elisha's just, oh, get out of bed. Can you get me a coffee or something? You know, and he's like standing there, totally goes, oh yeah, it's army. And he's like, oh, we're we gonna do it. He goes like. There's, there's way more with us than them. Look, stop you worrying, okay? Just go get me a drink or whatever. And so, and he's like, totally calm. And then he just simply prays, Lord, open his eyes and let us see. The Lord opened the eye, young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. As the Aramean army advanced towards him, Elisha prays another prayer. O oh Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elisha asked. Simple. Simple. Elisha wasn't even worried, because he saw through heaven's perspective. He had God's perspective. God, in speaking to him, he, he's like, this, I'm not worried at all of this army, because God." Troll, and the whole story goes on, and and uh, they don't kill any of them. They lead them to another city and they give them a meal, actually. Give them a big feed and uh, really treat them kindly. Send them all back home. And the, and the enemy says, well, we're not fighting them anymore. And they leave. That's the best way to win a war in the history of wars. And so... And it all because of Elisha had a heavenly perspective. If he had a captive and thought like his servant, he's like, oh, what do I do? Oh, like, what are we going to do? We're going to run. We're going to hide. We're going to do whatever. We've got to be captured, you know, but he didn't have that. He trusted God. And so then we move into the New New Testament, and there's a couple of stories that flow on from each other. And one of them is Jesus who's in the boat uh, with the disciples in Mark chapter 4, 35-41, and it says as evening came Jesus said to his disciples let's cross the other to the other side of He took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind although other boats followed so sometimes we think oh it's just Jesus we understand there's a whole lot of other boats went with them on this lake so the whole like there's a fleet of small like fishing style boats on this uh, on crossing uh, across the lake and then it says but soon a fierce storm came up high waves are breaking into the boat So water's coming in. They didn't have bilge pumps in those days. They probably had a few bucks. Water's coming in and it began to fill with water. As Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat, Elisha was having a sleep as well when the trouble was happening. Jesus is having a sleep in the boat. Waves are coming over the side of the boat. The boat's filling up with water and Jesus is sleeping through it all. Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion The disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Where was their perspective? Human perspective. Jesus done multiple miracles. Jesus said, we're going over to, he'd already told them, we're going over this for a purpose. And if they just put two and two together, thought, well, Jesus, we can't die because Jesus said we've got to go do something. And so, but they're like going, we're all going to die. Don't you care, Jesus, that we're about to drown? Our lives about to end. Waves, are boats filling up with water, and Jesus, as calmly as you like, gets up and goes. And uh, says, When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence. Be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And imagine all the other boats—they're sinking as well. Okay. So Jesus just saved the whole fleet, okay? Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. They were scared before in the storm. But now, after Jesus just did that, it says they're absolutely terrified. They're in a worse condition after Jesus made it calm than they were when the storm was on. They're like, send me back to the storm. This is just too much. Who is this man, they asked, they asked each other, even the wind and wind, obey him. Jesus is suddenly going, he's like, in that, in that one word, he goes, why? In other words, he's saying, didn't you hear what I said? We're going over for a purpose. We're going over to do this. He says, do you think I'm going to let you drown? Do you think I'm going to let you die? Do you think that's, you know, I've told you everything we're going to do. I've told you while I'm here, do you still think I'm going to let this happen? And he says "Oh!" and he was the same challenge He was going, all you need to do is raise, rise up and have faith and trust in God. And, and he just speaks. And they were amazed that he had could control the weather. That he could just speak. There's a violent storm and I've been in some rough weather like that. And like, it's like, you, it's like, where's, you know, for it to go just to rough, to calm that quickly is a supernatural event. And he just speaks a word and they were terrified because he spoke a word. And then... Worship team, you can come on up. In this last story, as they get to this, is why they're going across the lake. I love Jesus, but he had, you know, he would go and travel through whatever it was, wherever he, for the one person. And this is what next he goes across that lake. It says in uh, Mark chapter five, the next chapter. So they arrived on the other side of the lake, been through the storm, it was calm. Everyone was there in the region, the Gerasenes, When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit or many evil spirits came out. From the tombs to meet him this man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained whenever he was put into chains and shackles as often as he was he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed no one was strong enough to subdue him day and night he wandered among the burial caves and the hills howling and uh, cutting himself with sharp stones he's in a bad way And when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him with a shriek. Why are you interfering with me? So now the demons are speaking to Jesus. Why are you interfering with us? Son of the Most High God, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture us. Don't torture me. For Jesus has already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion. Because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again to send them to some distant place. His evil spirits who can totally control this man begging Jesus. It says he bowed down. but The spirits instantly bowed down before Jesus without even asking them to. Because they knew his authority. They bowed down in front of Jesus. And so Jesus gave him permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd. of About 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all afraid. Because they're going, how could this possibly... This guy was a write-off. This guy was insane. This guy was a mess. And now it's Jesus has set him free. To finish off tonight, I just want to share a couple of thoughts around this story. See, that he'd been in this condition for a while. And the people in that region, instead of trying to... He had a supernatural problem. He had a demonic problem. It was a supernatural problem. And so how did the people in that region try to fix a supernatural problem? Naturally. With their reasoning. We'll chain him up. So they chain him up, shackle him up, they tie him up, bind him up. And chains. And so they're trying to fix, they would have chained him up many times, they're trying to fix a supernatural problem with a human way of perspective, a way of thinking. How many times have we, how many times have you how many people are walking out around our city trying to solve supernatural problems with human ways or natural thinking that aren't getting set free? And so they chain him up, try to contain him, didn't work. This bound up the man. But the demons were still having a party. They were doing whatever they want. He's running around, breaking chains, cutting himself, screaming, howling, doing all these crazy things. And they just said, "Kids, stay out of town. Live in the." T-. He's living in a cemetery. That's where he's living in the tombs. And Jesus comes along in one moment, recognizes the problem, deals with the supernatural problem supernaturally, with authority, speaks to the problem. Speaks to the demons and tells them to get out. He binds up the demons, casts them out, and the man is free. Totally different. Supernatural perspective can always influence human or natural perspective. But a human perspective won't change the supernatural. You need supernatural Understanding supernatural power, the name of Jesus, to speak to a supernatural problem. And there's many people in our city that are walking around with supernatural problems, with stuff that's just messed up in their mind. They're being tormented by evil spirits and tormented by stuff in all different ways. And sometimes they just need to be have to speak the name of Jesus, like we're talking about tonight, over their lives so them to be free. They need all the other help. They need the human wisdom and help and doctors, support. They need all that stuff, but there's some supernatural stuff that they won't be free unless a word is spoken in the name of Jesus for them to be free. Jesus, heaven's perspective and had no limitations and knew exactly what when you understand how a supernatural you know you can handle a situation you identify the problem quickly and you know how to handle it from what perspective are you living your life Jesus lived with a supernatural perspective, the supernatural influencing and transforming the natural but he understood the human perspective, he didn't push that aside he understood where their thinking was coming from, he understood how they thought lived from a supernatural mindset and perspective and so we need to understand in perspective we we live it in ourselves we make decisions ourselves and that so we understand we don't say well that's no good or write people off we understand their thinking we understand what they want we understand what people are trying to say and do and their ideas and thoughts and we understand we but we, we come from a different perspective. We come from heaven's perspective. And heaven comes in and invades and transforms the natural. We, we carry the presence of God and we walk into a building and God's presence goes with us and, goes, and it brings heaven to earth. And it invades the natural world. And suddenly what was impossible becomes possible because we come from a supernatural mindset. Heaven's perspective. We carry the power and the name of God. Of Jesus. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? What perspective are you living by tonight? What's your perspective tonight? Are you living from mostly a maybe a human? Perspective, and sometimes you're trying to battle and, and live life and do it all on your own strength, your own ideas and own thoughts, or influenced greatly by other people and their thoughts, and, and you're trying to just you're living by that, and you don't seem to be getting free, or you don't seem to be making it, or keep hitting a wall, or are you actually living out of God's perspective? God wants you to live from and see through His perspective. The amazing thing is that when we surrender our lives to Jesus. And we give our lives and we make him lord of our lives and suddenly one of the things that happens is that when you do that and ask him into your life and ask him to forgive you perspective he begins to change it suddenly you start to live out oh it's not me trying to live my own way I have christ in me that wants to reveal to you kingdom principles and and ways to live suddenly there's forgiveness in your life suddenly you've been forgiven of all the junk and and suddenly there's a freedom that comes on the inside and suddenly you go oh, now I now i'm thinking different now i have god helping me i have the holy spirit living on the inside of me so now i can my strength but it's his strength living through me. And so it's like your perspective changes. It's like his will and he actually forms and you start to see things. Your perspective becomes his perspective. Your perspective becomes heaven's perspective. Your perspective becomes the same way Jesus sees things and you're allowing him to come in and show you and, and see things through his eyes. There's a woman in the Bible, I just want to share this. Just feel to share. There's a woman in the Bible that he was off. Jesus was off to heal someone else, and there's a woman in the crowd who had been bleeding for many years, been all to the doctors, spent all the money, done all that kind of stuff, and and she's in the crowd, and no one had stopped, and she thought to herself, "This is what the Bible says: If I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed." And she and she through the crowd, and he just touches the hem of his garment. See her perspective, lay hands on me. He doesn't have to stop and have a word for me. He doesn't have to stop and point me out or pull me out of the crowd. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can get close enough to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'll be healed. You don't need to have someone point you out of a crowd. And have a word over you you don't need someone to you know to pull you out and exactly on an altar or or do this or do that or or meet have an encounter with God in the street or whatever you can you can just reach out in faith that reached out to Jesus and you can reach out in faith right now right where you are and say Jesus if I can just reach out to you because your perspective is I have faith in Jesus that he can set me free I have faith in Jesus that he can heal me I have faith in him and power went out of Jesus the moment he, she touched the hem of his garments and says, who touched me? She was instantly healed. Just close your eyes for a minute. If you're in this place and, and you don't know Jesus, or you've never surrendered your life to him, or never said, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, forgive me the wrong I've done. I just ask you to forgive me and wash me clean. I want a brand new start. Never ask Him in your life to be Lord of your life, to take control. All will and lay down your wants and desires and lay them aside and say, God, I can't do it on my own. I need you. I need you. Tonight, I want to give you an opportunity right now. You can come to Jesus tonight. You can come to this altar, the front, and say, Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me brand new. Give me a brand new start. Help me. To see things through your eyes. If that's you tonight and you've never done that, or you've done it and you're thinking, I, I need to do that again. I need to be in the right place with God. I feel distant from Him. Stay from Him." If you want to do that tonight, I want you to raise your hand in this place. So I need, thank you. I need to do that tonight. Who else tonight? You're saying, I need to do that. I need to come to Jesus. Surrender my life to Him. Give my life to Him. put your hands straight up and back down again if you need to do that that's one other thing The other thing I want to do is there's some people here that say hi hey, my life I'm, I'm too many times I'm, I'm just seeing things from a human perspective or maybe the, the way I've been brought up or the way I've thought or being influenced by people around me I'm being influenced by friends around me maybe they've meant well but you're thinking it doesn't really line up. It doesn't really line up with what God says. And, my, and you've got maybe some ideas and think It doesn't actually line up with what, how God sees me. And you're saying, there's times when I see things the way God sees me. And, and maybe you're spinning the wrong way. You sort of think, well, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And you label yourself, but God doesn't see you that way. And he says, I want you to see yourself the way I see you. I want you to see other people the way I see them. He looks with eyes of love. And tonight, I just want to saying, hey, I want to see more and more through God's eyes, through God's perspective. I want to see the way Jesus sees, see the way God sees. And I don't want to fall back into old patterns or old ways or how I used to think or the ways, things I used to do. But tonight... I want to say, God, let me see the way you see. Help me to see myself the way you see me. Help me to see others the way you see them. Help me to be free from this battle of our faith phase to try and get through and obstacles. Help me to be totally free by surrendering it all to you tonight. I want to open up this altar right now. So I want you to step out of your seat. and come. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.